My name is Eugene Weaver. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly, the only place on the web that you can hear about the most obscure movies that uh, you've never heard of. Uh, I'm here to bring you uh, all the goods on these movies and hopefully turn you on to some movies that you never thought you would watch or possibly even steer you clear of ones that you had been interested in, but you hear my take on it and you're like, ah, no thanks. Uh, and today might be one of those episodes. Uh, today I am going to be talking about uh, actually a fairly new release, which most of the time the movies that I talk about are going to be uh, little seen movies from quite a while ago. But today I wanted to focus on one that I've watched this movie now three times and it's a train wreck that I just simply cannot uh, turn away from. I have to just, I have to see this thing. Uh, and that movie is called Hellraiser Revelations, made in 2011 uh, from our friends over at Dimension or whatever it is now. But the wine scenes were certainly involved in there. That's one of the reasons I'm going to talk to you guys about this movie is the backstory on it. The budget was anywhere between $250,000 to $500,000, and that's, I believe, being fairly generous. Um, my goodness, how the mighty have fallen. Hellraiser, the original, was one of the best things to ever come out of the 80s uh, in, the, in the horror genre. And it spawned, to, to me, uh, almost universally good sequels, and that includes... Not the theatrical ones, which the theatrical ones were the first four, but then all the direct-to-video ones from there on out. I actually, uh, I actually have uh, fond memories of each of those. I watched them from time to time, uh, and they, they're all with varying quality. Some of them are a little bit better than the others, but they're all very, very watchable. And I, I might even, if I have some time, I might even touch base on those movies a little bit as well. Uh, but. What I really want to focus on now is Hellraiser Revelations. Um, this thing has got to be seen to be believed. It's 75 minutes long with, of course, the, the typical five minutes worth of end credits that slowly crawl up the screen. Um, and, you know, and even with the intro, the in introduction credits and all that stuff, I mean, you're, this movie is, it's a little over an hour. Um, but, man, is it, it's just funny to watch this thing. Um, so here's the plot synopsis of, of Hellraiser, Revelations. Best friends Steve Craven and Nico Bradley travel to Mexico to have fun. In, uh, and if you watch this movie, they go to Mexico to Tijuana. And they keep on saying that Tijuana because it's funny to say that in this movie. Um, to the point where you're like, are you, are you kidding me? Someone okayed this script because they're keeping on saying Tijuana. Uh, but there, they meet a vagrant in a bar, gives them a puzzle box, and uh, when he opens the device, he finds that it is a key to hell. Nico brings Pinhead um, and infects pain and all that good stuff. And uh, anyway, you, you know that if, you, if uh, you've seen one Hellraiser, you, you kind of know the, the point of them, the point of opening the box. Um, anyway, 
a year later, uh, we cut to, and this is kind of found footage, kind of spliced together with just low rent production quality, a year later stuff. Um, the stuff that's set in, in Tijuana is all done by a little handheld video camera that these two douchebags are using. Um, uh, okay, let's see. The parents of both of these boys are getting together for uh, an evening um, an evening of whining and dining and really no point at all as to why they're together. Um, they had hired a private detective and uh, they only find Nico's backpack in Mexico. So there's that underlying thing of what happened to our boys. Uh, there's a, uh, a daughter in there, uh, which, you know, she of course looks like a prostitute. Uh, and she goes around snooping around the backpack, finds the puzzle box and um, plays around with it. And boom, out, out pops one of the, uh, at their doorstep, out pops one of the, one of the boys that was missing, um, and then it's it's all about who's really who with these kids that were lost in Mexico, and basically it is, uh, it is as low rent of a remake of the original as you can possibly get, uh, even even crossed over a little bit into part two with just this, a, a little bit, and by a little bit I mean cliff notes of the first two, but everything is set in either someone's garage that's made to look like it it's a bar in Tijuana or uh, someone's California home that's up on the hills. That's Those are the two sets in the movie. Uh, even even when Pinya, Pinhead and his Cenobites show up, it looks like they're in a room with some blue lights and there's a couple chains and that's it. Um, Speaking of Pinhead, the uh, the legendary horror icon, he is in this movie, but he's not Doug Bradley, the actor that saw, that starred in every single other one of the uh, the Hellraiser movies. He decided, you know what, nah, I've I've been in enough of these, and uh, I'm not sure if he even read the script or not, but um, he didn't want to have any part in this thing. Um, so anyway. I, I'm guessing that some of some of the uh, some of the things that kept him away were probably budget restraints, and I'm guessing he wasn't going to get paid squat for this thing. Um, the guy that they did get to play Pinhead, I don't even know his name. I didn't even bother to look it up because it's not it's not important. But what is important is that the guy is kind of overweight, and he's basically you. He is what you would expect to see on Halloween. Um, when there's a bunch of people at a Halloween party, he's the guy that's dressed that's dressed up like Pinhead, trying to be like Pinhead. That's what that guy is. Um, he's just terrible and hilarious. Um, but you know, they they tried to make him look like Pinhead, and yeah, he you know he's got the same outfit on. But whew, wow, he's he's not Doug Bradley. Uh, but he's so bad that they're right there, that's enough reason to watch the movie just for him. Uh, the chubby the chubby Pinhead. Um, the ad for this new movie, uh, had from the mind of Clive Barker and Barker, of course, he has had, uh, no involvement in the Hellraiser franchise since I'm, I'm guessing, uh, after the first two, I know that he was heavily involved in part two. He, he directed one and was heavily involved in part two. Um, but he actually posted, uh, on Twitter, he posted this profanity spewing message, uh, Basically saying, 
in in no uncertain terms that this is no child of mine. This is nothing to do with me. I don't don't include me in this mess. So um, that's where that's where Clive Barker stands on this movie. The director. Um, this is interesting to me. Is the director Victor Garcia? Uh, he's actually made some good movies uh, for the for the money, uh, and they're all generally for uh, the Dimension brand or whatever. The, the Weinstein's, are, of course, are involved. Uh, that which doesn't surprise me at all. Watching the watching how this thing unfolded. But Victor Garcia also made Mirrors Part Two, which is actually superior to the first Mirrors. I didn't much care for the first Mirrors, and this one here is actually for a low rent direct to video type of thing. It was actually pretty good. And uh, Return to House on Haunted Hill. Uh, other than some shady CGI of the actual building outside in uh, Return to House on Haunted Hill, I thought that that was a very worthy follow-up to the excellent uh, 1999 House of House on Haunted Hill. Uh, so he, he can do some good stuff with a fairly low budget. But this thing here was very, very low budget. Uh, and the whole story behind this movie, uh, it was rushed into production by, by Dimension. Uh, basically, it all came down to they were going to lose the Hellraiser franchise rights if they didn't produce another another Hellraiser movie. The last one they did was 2005's Hellraiser Hellworld, which I actually just watched uh, about a week ago. I might hit on that in a little bit. Uh, the, the production took about three weeks um, at the most. Um, that's pushing it. Uh, it's, uh, actually another point of interest here is it is the first Hellraiser movie that actually was written to be a Hellraiser movie. The other Hellraiser movies after Bloodline, which Bloodline was from 1996 and that movie was, which was a complete disaster. That was, of course, Dimension got their hands on it and recut it and, Butchered it, and it is nothing like it was originally filmed to be. Because, um, you know, Weinstein's no best, of course, you know. Uh, but since Bloodline, all the other direct-to-video sequels, Inferno, Hellseeker, Hellworld, Debtor, those four movies were from previously written scripts that they just tweaked uh, to bring in the pinhead character and make some extra money on it, which actually works really, really good for those movies, uh, especially Inferno. Uh, it it's it is a Hellraiser movie, but it's it, it's its own unique entity, and it works really, really good. In fact, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that Hellraiser Inferno is probably my second favorite Hellraiser movie uh, after the first one. Uh, it's at least neck and neck with Part Two, so. And all of those, all of those older Hellraiser movies that uh, that did not have original Hellraiser scripts, they all have something about them that that just makes them really unique and, and interesting and fun to watch. Some of them aren't aren't as good as others. Uh, I thought the Debtor and Hellworld, while still very very watchable, uh, there was a dip in quality from from that point on. Um, Rick Boda, I think Rick Boda or Rick Boda, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but he directed those. Uh, and I thought that he, he did a very competent job, especially with Hellseeker. Uh, that one there, they, they tried more to tie that in with the previous Hellraiser movies, bringing back the, the, the female character from the first two. Um, but it, it's still very much its own unique thing. Um, so he directed those three, and 
uh, Scott Derrickson directed Hellraiser Inferno, which is his first movie. And Scott Derrickson has gone on to do um, uh, the uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, Day of the World, whatever, it's not good. Um, the Day of the World stood still. and But his big claim to fame is The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I thought was fantastic, still holds up. Great, great, great movie. Uh, I actually just recently watched uh, Deliver from Evil. That had some issues. It it had serious identity crisis as far as what it wanted to be. I saw what he was going for. Some movies can pull off the, some movies can pull off the uh, two different, uh, two different genres combined. Uh, from Dust to Dawn is a great example of a crime a crime thriller that turns into horror. And this one here is a police procedural that turns more into uh, horror. And it just, for some reason, it, it just didn't quite work like uh, like I, I wish it would have. But anyway, that's rabbit trailing. Back to the Hellraiser movies. Hellraiser Inferno is fantastic. Uh, and be being as I'm, I'm talking about some of the uh, older Hellraiser movies, I'm going to really hit on that one right now. Uh, that movie there was... Uh, Again, not not uh, not Hellraiser canon. It was a script before it became a Hellraiser movie. It was something else, and you can totally tell that because Pinhead's barely in it. The Cenobites are barely in it, but it totally works. Um, it's from two thousand, and the the budget was about two million dollars. Uh, Craig Sheffer is the detective in the movie. His name is Joseph. Thorn, and of course that last name, you know, immediately you think of the omen or something like that. So immediately that has a horror bent to it. But um, it's it's funny seeing a movie from 2000 with a, a $2 million budget and that really, really, really presses the budget limitation, or a right, it bumps up to that budget because I thought it was, it was full of good special effects and good acting and uh, good script, good directing. Everything worked so well in that movie versus... The uh, the Revelations one that is just utter crap. But uh, the uh, Hellraiser Inferno, brief synopsis here. I just want to hit on it a little bit. Uh, shady police detective becomes embroiled in a strange world of murder, sadism, and madness after being assigned a murder investigation against a madman known only as the Engineer. And the less you know about that movie, the better. That's a movie that is so well done that you... That almost falls in the you don't need to be a huge horror fan to enjoy that movie. It's very much a a dark, dark Twilight Zone episode, and I think that's so cool. Um, I love the fact that that movie was, I mean, that was part five in a in a series, and that director still it wasn't. I mean, I'm guessing he was a director for hire at the time, but because he made a really, really good movie, he went on to. Uh, bigger and better things. And I think that's, that's great. That's a success story. And I, I love to see that. Um, but it's scary and it, uh, keeps you guessing, keeps you thinking, okay, what's going to happen next here? What's, what's going down? And I really don't want to say more than the little synopsis that I, that I did say, because it really is a fun movie. I believe it's on Netflix. If you're at all, I want to say if you're a fan of Hellraiser movies, because, um, this could this can totally be watched without being without being a fan of the Hellraiser movies or if you're not really into that type of thing. It's still a really really good watch, a uh, really good watch to see what can be done on a fairly low budget uh, that that turns out good. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you have 
Hellraiser Revelations, which, um, granted, Victor Garcia did not have much money to work with at all. And for what it's worth, the picture is is shot fairly well as far as I can. You can tell that they used good high def cameras. Um, the acting is literally the acting is probably high school play level acting. Uh, and again, these are all reasons in my in my opinion to watch the movie. First of which, the movie is so short that you're only out a little over an hour. Um, and the second thing to watch is just knowing the backstory that the only reason this movie was made was they just threw it together real quick just so that they could keep the rights to the Hellraiser movies, that that, that franchise, which in and of itself is complete and utter crap because they're not doing anything with it. And that movie would be so... I think that Hellraiser itself would be a great uh, movie to remake. While I love the original, it's one of my favorite horror movies, and it holds up really, really well, I think that it would really benefit from um, just a fresh take on it. The movie that Clive Barker, Clive Barker directed the movie, but it was based on the book that he wrote called The Hellbound Heart, which is, I read the book and it's a uh, novella. It's very short, but uh, very powerful and very brutal. And and the, the movie really captures a lot of that feel in the book. But uh, if they would really go back to that book and, and try to do it as closely as possible, man, that would make for a great reboot. Um, but they've, I mean, they've kind of tapped out the, the sequels in my opinion, unless, you know, obviously these little cash cows that just to keep the, the franchise in their, in their name. Um, I just think that's just so, that's so Weinstein to do something like that. And then just to not care and throw out a product like this is a complete slap in the face of any and all fans. Uh, but if you're like me, you can always find little things to enjoy. And this movie certainly is enjoyable. Uh, I've watched it three times now, and it truly is enjoyable for what it is. And that's just a making fun of type of thing, seeing what, what in the world they did to mess this thing up. Uh, there are some actually fairly decent effects. In fact, I would dare to bet that most of the budget went to... Uh, equipment, camera equipment, and special effects. Because the special effects are certainly not bad. Um, but the acting is complete and total high school drama level acting. Again, another reason to watch the movie. Um, and and uh, Chubby Pinhead. The Cenobites that are with him aren't aren't too bad. Like, they, they have some nice makeup effects. But I'm not sure who thought it was a good idea to pick that guy and make him look like that, just a poor version of Pinhead. It's it's laughable. So anyway, uh, and also also worth mentioning is they did the same thing. Dimension did the exact same thing with the Children of the Corn franchise. Uh, I believe they were running out of time for the rights for that, so they did the exact same thing. They banged out a 75-minute cheapy, uh, low, low-budget movie called Children of the Corn Genesis. Now that movie, though, it was not directed by Victor Garcia, but that movie is actually very good. And it, it's good enough to where I would say that it's probably about my favorite Children of the Corn movie. Uh, the first one, because of it, it's it's dated, but I grew up with that movie, so I would probably give a slight nod to that one. Uh, but it's very dated. But this new one, it's very, very inventive for the budget that they had. Uh, and it's actually very enjoyable. The, the storyline is really good. It's another Twilight Zone type thing going on um but it's i man i thought it was 
fun. It had some some uh, good effects. And uh, one thing that I thought was really, really funny in that movie was uh, – I'm just going to pull this up here real quick. This movie actually has a has a scene. There's a car chase – not car chase, but kind of. You, you have to watch the movie. I don't want to spoil it, uh, but it's lifted – right out of Bad Boys Part 2. I'm not sure how they acquired the footage, but uh, all of a sudden they're on this bridge. And it's just a couple, it's it's not long. It's probably not even a minute's worth of footage. But you can tell that's that's from Bad Boys 2 when stuff was falling off, like cars were falling off of the back of a car hauler or something like that. And I did a little research and sure enough, at least from where I read uh, online here, this movie actually... I'm not sure if they purchased that or what, but there's... So Michael Bay is, is officially involved with Children of the Corn Genesis. Um, so another cool thing about Children of the Corn Genesis while I'm, while I'm on this one is there's a slight... There's a, a little short making of on the Blu-ray of, of this because, yes, I bought the Blu-ray of Children of the Corn Genesis. Why not? Um, and that making of... Uh, the director talks a little bit and there's some behind-the-scenes stuff and he really seems to be with it and and knows what he's doing, uh, which made so that this little cheapy uh, actually turned out to be decent. Um, good, good acting for the most part. Uh, Billy Drago is in it. He's one of the main bad guys in it. And Billy Drago is awesome, uh, even though he's, in, at least in this movie, very very washed up. He's still he's still uh, fun to watch. And one of the prostitutes from Hostel is in it too and she's you know yeah anyway I uh, that th I don't want to get into too much children in the corner where this is I'm trying to focus more on Hellraiser but anyway they're they're kind of connected just because they were made in the, in the same year with with the same intention from the same studio uh one of them turned out to be a complete joke and the other one turned out to be kind of a little gem in the rough and I'm pretty sure that uh children of the corn genesis is on Netflix and it's it it's not long so I say check it out uh, as far as the Hellraiser sequels go, uh, in my opinion, if if you're going to watch the Hellraiser movies, one, two, and Inferno are the, the main three to watch. Um, if you only have Netflix, uh, be careful with Hellraiser Part 2, Hellbound. That movie is uh, heavily butchered, and that takes away a lot of the punch of that movie. You don't want to watch the uh, theatrical cut of that movie, trust me. It's it's way too good for that, um, but uh, Hellraiser Inferno again, big 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 thumbs up, uh, solid movie. Man, I I dug that movie. Hellseeker was uh, similar in storyline to Inferno, but it it didn't quite reach the heights of that one. I, I would say that Hellraiser Inferno could have been a theatrical release. It was it was that good. Um, the uh, Hellraiser. Revelations, though, not so much. So anyway, I, I would suggest watching Revelations just as a rite of passage so you can say, yeah, I watched Hellraiser Revelations. It was, yeah, it was, it was terrible, but something about it was funny to watch and laugh at and, and get grossed out at a couple of the scenes because the special effects are, are decent enough. Um, so that's uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot more time on Hellraiser Revelations because again it's it's painful. <laughs> uh, 
a couple other uh, Hellraiser movies, though, that I'll I'll just touch on. Um, again, just because the those last four were not original Hellraiser scripts. Um, Hellworld, which was the last one before they they stopped producing any Hellraiser movies, stars Lance Henriksen, and uh, as um, I don't again I don't want to give too much away, but he's hosting a a Hellraiser party, and this is back when. Yeah, the internet was 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 there, uh, and it had been established, but it, not like it is now. But they did the whole; they were trying to do the whole gimmick of it's an online party, and everybody is invited because you unlock this, you unlock the box on a website, and then you get invited to this party at this big mansion. And I believe that uh, I'm not sure about Inferno, but I'm pretty sure I know that Debtor, and um, I think that. Uh, Hellseeker and uh, Hellworld. I think they were filmed in Romania because that's where you go if you're a horror movie with not much money and you want to get crew for cheap and actors for cheap, you go to Romania. Uh, but um, Hellworld, I, I'm pretty sure Hellworld was filmed in Romania. I don't have my notes pulled up here in front of me, but a uh, group of, group of uh, college kids or whatever go to this party because they were invited. They had uh, lost a friend like a year or so earlier to because of something or other with uh, Pinhead. It's not explained as good as it should, but he uh, he opened the box and it, they got him. And so the whole movie is things are not as they seem in this big mansion with this party. Uh, there's lots of nudity and it's pretty gory. Uh, that's that's more of a, a one of the more gory Hellraiser sequels. Um, however, it's not remotely scary. Uh, the acting is barely passable, but again, there's a certain charm to the movie. It's got a good storyline. Um, Lance Henriksen is good, of course, uh, but it's, it's a unique take on the Hellraiser series. I, I do like that, that they, that those four direct-to-video sequels tried to do something different. And, and for the most part, it works on all of them. There's something to enjoy on all of those movies. And Hellworld is no exception, although Hellworld and even Deader are uh, um, still suggest you watch them. Deader, I'll just real quick touch on Deader. Uh, a lady reporter goes to Romania, of course, to investigate this cult that are uh, each person, the rite of passage is, is they commit suicide and then they're reborn by their leader. And they're they're known as the Deaders. And so she's going to research that, and of course they have a box and whatever. Pinhead comes back to uh, get his revenge because what they're doing is wrong. They're cheating death, and he doesn't like that they cheat death. Um, it's all fairly silly, but it's a breezy 85 minutes, and it has some stuff that is interesting to watch. They try to do something different with it. It's got a, a really good ending. Um, but those were probably the, the two... Those aren't my favorites, but they're still watchable. Uh, then Hellseeker, like I said, Hellseeker and Inferno. Watching them, especially if you watch them back to back, watch Inferno first, and then watch Hellseeker. Uh, and they're both good. Inferno's great. Hellseeker is, is pretty good. It's, it's good. But it's essentially, it's the same story as Inferno, just done a little bit different, swapping characters around a little bit. But it does work. Uh, I, I've watched it numerous times, and I've enjoyed it every time. I just watched that uh, a couple days ago, and I give it a thumbs up. So 
anyway, and then when you get into the uh, the first batch of Hellraiser movies, uh, the first two, of course, are 80s classics. Uh, the second one is so brutal and so hardcore. Uh, my only complaint with Hellraiser 2 is that they really went... Um, and I, I can appreciate what they were, were what they were trying to do. They were very, very ambitious in their take of the labyrinth and going to Pinhead's world, which is essentially hell. Um, they were ambitious to the point of it starting to look very fake and cheesy, whereas the first one was essentially set in a house. Um, obviously, there was some exterior stuff, but the first one benefited so much from that creepy house. And how Uncle Frank was coming back, and it was just so ugh, yuck. And in part two, they really expanded that. They had a, obviously a bigger budget, but they stretched that budget to the max to where it's like, oh boy, this is starting to look kind of fake. Granted, they didn't have CGI back in those days, so they had to make do with you know the matte painting stuff and uh, all that to you know make make it look as realistic as possible. Uh, three was, uh, oh boy, 3 was, I, I wish I would enjoy 3 better. Uh, that's uh, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Anthony Hickox directed that. And Anthony Hickox has done some good stuff and some not-so-good stuff. Um, he uh, he did Waxwork. That was his first movie. I really, really liked Waxwork. Uh, he did, and Waxwork 2. Then he did Hellraiser 3, Warlock the Armageddon. I thought that was a pretty decent movie. It's dated, but it was it was good for what it was. Um, those were kind of his big claims to fame, honestly. Other than that, he hasn't done a whole lot, some some short movies. But uh, anyway, uh, Hell on Earth, uh, that was in 1992, and it feels way more like a glam rock video than a Hellraiser movie. There's a scene in the church with Pinhead that is the highlight of the movie. It's really, really creepy and nasty. Other than that, it's all the Cenobites are are the makings of how they were killed, and it just it's it's silly. One of them shoots out CDs out of his head, and it's yeah, it's just silly. Um, and then the fourth the fourth one was the one where things just went horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, uh, that was the one that um, that pretty much jumped the shark, and there actually the director is it's, that's an Alan Smithy, uh, Kevin uh, Yeager directed that, but he uh, yeah he because uh, Dimension pretty much took it away from him and started to recut it uh, and everything he was like okay I'm done which I don't blame him I totally do not blame him that's that is such a Weinstein move. And what he had done was, I mean, it sounded so cool. It was like a sprawling epic of how the box was created to, to bring Pinhead around. And then the modern time of what's going on right now. And then it's set in the future. And it's still all there. Like that's, that is essentially the story, but it's so butchered and moved around and it's just, geez, no, um, Still watchable if you're a Hellraiser fan. I am a Hellraiser fan, so there is every one of them has a certain thing or a certain charm to them that I like. But this one here, man, this is a what could have been. This could have been such an epic movie, uh, but as it is, it just it feels low rent direct to video type. So anyway, that's kind of the I, I was jumping around there, but that's kind of the whole Hellraiser series. But obviously, the main one that I wanted to focus on 
because it really fits in with the uh, <laughs> with the cinema soft underbelly is uh, revelations because it's bad. <laughs> Not all the movies that I'm going to talk about are bad. Uh, there's a lot of ones that are, are true gems. This is not a gem in the rough, but it's still worthy of a discussion and it's worthy of a viewing because it is short. And just to see what the Weinsteins were thinking and what happened uh, and just give it a good laugh. <laughs> so anyway, that's the Hellraiser series. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up here. I wanted to give a shout out to my uh, my other pod show that I do with Eric Marner. He's the host of that one. That's Movie Freaks, and you can go onto YouTube, find us there on MF Pod, and uh, the show is great. Uh, we have, in my opinion, it's great. We cover a broad, broad range of topics in the in the movie world. It's not all horror movies, but we just we try to discuss as much as we can in a little over an hour. Um, and we really try to focus on not newer release stuff, but stuff that that kind of similar to this show has kind of fallen through the cracks or stuff that you kind of for, have forgotten about, but needs to be re rediscovered. Uh, and there's also movies that we haven't seen that we, uh, it's called Movie Roulette, and we throw a, a movie each other's way to see if, hey, is this something that everybody else should watch too? Uh, so anyway, check us out over there. Uh, also going to give a, a shout out to Cinema Sidekicks there on iTunes. Um, and they focus a lot more on newer release stuff. Uh, great guys. I've uh, been on their show a couple times. Uh, appreciate what they do. Uh, in fact, I would say that they were the inspiration for a Movie Freaks pod show as well as what I'm doing here. So a big thanks to them. So check them out. Uh, anyway, I'm Eugene Weaver. That's going to wrap it up for this show. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, stay tuned for more of the weird and the wacky and the unseen and the uh, silly and the grindhouse and just the plain fun movies because there's more on the way until next time thanks